Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. So I'm, I'm stoked about this uh, message today as we continue our series, but I got a couple things that I just want to share before that. God is at work in Fairfax. God is doing a work in our church. And uh, there's so many um, expressions of that, but I just wanted to mention a few. Um, one is this Wednesday, we had our Winterfest. And this was like the family Christmas party. Everybody come out, kids, families, all of that. And, and we really had no idea kind of what to expect. Uh, the kids' ministry put on an incredible, incredible program. There was all kinds of activities all over the, the, the family lobby and the family center and the kids' area and all that. But we didn't know like who, who would show up, how many would show up. It's Christmas. Some people are needing to do their Christmas shopping. It's kind of getting down to that time. It was a Wednesday. It was midweek. People are facing traffic. We kind of had no what idea what to expect. We were afraid we were going to show a party or have a party, and no one was going to show up. And we had 650 people show up for the Winterfest. And it was awesome. And uh, our kids' ministry, which is the best kids' ministry in the world, uh, did an absolutely incredible job. And we had a lot of other staff that were involved as well. But anyway, just a great, great celebration and a chance to, at the end of the night, sing together, worship together, celebrate Christmas together. Just very, very cool. The other thing I wanted to share with you is that we have a young lady in our church, a middle schooler by the name of Clara. And Clara is this uh, amazing young woman who is, uh, is um, you know, working out her faith, the thing that Scripture talks about, working out your faith, growing in faith, all of that. And um, one of the things that we talk about as a church is what it means to have meaningful conversations with people that we're in relationship with. Like, conver- I always call them conversations that matter, like conversations that really make a difference. And Clara is committed to having conversations that matter, conversations that make a difference with her friends. And she was talking with a group of friends recently. I just found this out this week. She was talking with a group of friends recently, and they were talking about things that matter, talking about things of God. They were trying to connect some dots. They were trying to think through some things, deal with some questions, all of that kind of stuff. And Clara says, well, why don't you come to Fairfax? Why don't, why don't you come to Fairfax, experience Fairfax? We'll just kind of do that together. And so last, uh, which I love, because one of our core values is, is to uh, invite, is to be invitational. And so last Sunday, there were 11 folks, Clara and her 10 friends. So these are the pictures, Clara and her 10 friends that uh, were sitting here. I love that picture. Uh, They were sitting here in the blue seats, uh, experiencing God, uh, dealing with, you know, things, worshiping together, um, connecting to the message, all that kind of stuff. Just very, 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 very cool. And the two things I really love about this that represent, I think, Fairfax and are so important. One is I'm so proud of Clara just being invitational, just so awesome. We talk about that 
It's such a huge deal. Uh, we're a church that wants to be invitational, to invite people into our conversations, into our lives, into our stories, into just in every aspect of our life, just to be invitational, invitational, invitational. So I love it that Clara was invitational and is invitational. The other thing I love is that the other 10 girls like said yes to the invitation and were here at Fairfax. And the reason I love that, and the reason I love this picture is that as challenging sometimes as it is to offer an invitation to someone, it's just as challenging to say yes to an invitation, especially when it's someplace that you don't know, you've never been, you're not quite sure what's gonna happen, you're not sure about any of that, and yet these 10 girls like risked the fear uh, to enter into our worship service and to be here and just to be a part of that experience. And I just think that is absolutely amazing and we just should celebrate that and cheer that. And uh, that, that's, the, that's the kind of church that we want to be. We wanna be the kind of church where folks who are trying to figure things out, trying to connect the dots, dealing with questions, all that kind of stuff, that they feel like this is a safe place that they can come and explore their faith. And so I love it. I love it when folks feel safe enough to come and just be a part of this place. And that may be you today. Like you may be here today. Uh, this is your first time here. A friend invited you. You drove by and saw the building. You Googled us. You've been watching us online, whatever it is but you made the decision to be here today. You crossed over that kind of barrier of fear that oftentimes is there to kind of walk into a strange place that you've never been before. And you're just kind of here going, okay, I don't know exactly what to expect, but I have taken the risk to be here. We are so glad that you are here. And we pray that God will just work in whatever way, in whatever timing that he wants to work in your life. But we are glad that you are here. The other thing that's kind of connected to all of this is that God is doing um, some amazing things in people's lives, and people are coming to Jesus, making decisions to follow Jesus, experiencing the transforming work of Jesus Christ in their life, being raised to life in Christ. Our mission as a church is to love our neighbor and see them raised to life in Christ. And we have some people that are being raised to life in Christ, and it's so Awesome. And the visible expression, the ancient visible expression of that, uh, the outward visible expression of that is baptism, water baptism. That every time a person is baptized, they are giving testimony to what Jesus Christ has done for them. He died for their sins and he rose from the grave, but they're also giving testimony to what has happened that Jesus has done in them, that they have died out to their sinful self and they've been made a new person in Christ. And so we have baptisms during the course of the year. One of the things that we have never done is, and I think it's because of logistics, I think it's because we're, we're not quite sure it's the right Sunday that we could make it all happen, but that we have never done is we have never had baptisms on Easter. And I've decided in 2024, for the first time in the history of Fairfax, we're going to celebrate baptisms on Easter this next year. So I just, I just, it's like, I'm just so excited. I know they're like, we have five services and I know it's gonna be like crazy to figure all this out and all the logistics, but, but, 
I cannot think of a better time to celebrate lives who are raised to life in Christ than on the Sunday that we celebrate the life, Jesus being raised to life from the grave. Like, I can't think of a Sunday that would be better for that. So we're gonna have baptism on that Sunday. And if you have become a follower of Jesus and have never been baptized, I hope that you'll be a part of that baptismal service. I think it's gonna be an incredible, incredible. We are praying that more people in 2024 come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior than ever in the history of our church. We're just praying that God in his spirit will raise people to life in Christ and believing, believing, believing that he will. And all of that, you know, we talk about this all the time. All that's made possible because of the way in which you invest in this place, your tithes, your offerings. And I know we've been talking about this year in, this year in gift, this year in offering. And I, I just pray that, that you would seek God's guidance in whatever it is that God is calling you to give over and above your tithes and your regular tithes and offerings to help us finish the year strong and then to get a jump start on what God is calling us to do in 2024. All right, so we're in the third week of a series entitled Fear Not. And we've been looking at a number of different characters in the Christmas story and seeing how the gospel uh, connects to their greatest fears and to our greatest fears. And the first week, we focused on the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Last week, we focused on the story of Mary. And this week, we're looking at the story of Jesus, of Joseph. Now, before I jump into the story of Joseph, I want to set a little context. Uh, between Joseph and his journey to, to have Jesus Christ come into his life and, and the journey of Mary... Journey, uh, uh, Mary's journey to, to have Jesus come into her life was unique to Mary. No one in the history of humankind has ever had Jesus enter into their lives the way that Jesus entered into the life of Mary. That literally the Son of God was physically present within her body. She gave birth to Jesus. She gave birth to the Son of God. That the way in which Jesus came into Mary's life was unique from anyone who has ever lived on the face of the planet. Now, for Joseph... The way in which Jesus came into Joseph's life is probably the way that more of us can relate to because it is this decision, this decision to connect his life to the life of Jesus. And when you get to this point in the narrative of the Christmas story, you see that Joseph is just about ready to turn his back on Jesus and to not invite Jesus into his life. And the reason that he's about to turn his back, the reason he's about to not invite Jesus into his life is because of this. This is what we're told, Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Mary and Joseph, just context for this, Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married and in the midst of their engagement, as the wedding is drawing near, all the plans have been made, the venue has been secured, all of that has happened. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant and it's not his child. Now, just think about how painful in that moment that would be. For, for Joseph, he's, he's getting ready to commit his life to this person and he finds out, or at least he thinks he finds out, that this person has not only broken her covenant with God, but has broken her covenant with him. And since Joseph is a righteous man, and since he's committed to obeying the law of God, which is really clear, the law of God is really clear about the fact that sexual intimacy is designed by God to take place within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman, he decides that he's going to divorce Mary. Now, Mary and Joseph are not actually married yet. But in that culture, being pledged to be married had the same level of commitment as actually being married. It was kind of like engagement on steroids. It was like if you were engaged, it's like the commitment had already been made. So ending an engagement was really the same as getting a divorce. So Joseph decides to divorce Mary, but he wants to divorce her, the text says, quietly. Now, that doesn't mean that Joseph whispers in Mary's ear quietly, I'm going to divorce you. It, it means something else. That what it means to divorce her quietly, it means that he wanted to end the relationship, but to do it in a way where there was not a lot of finger pointing, where there was not an affixing of blame, where, where Mary was not like painted to be a bad person, an immoral person. And that's normally what would have happened in these situations. The betrayed person would take this, this big public stand about what has happened against them and how they have been betrayed. So they would announce like why they are divorcing this person. It would be like a big public announcement. I'm divorcing Mary because she's pregnant and it's not my child. But Joseph doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to expose Mary, the text says, to public disgrace. Now, as the preg pregnancy went on, like people, of course, would have realized that Mary was pregnant as that she had gotten pregnant before she was married, but Joseph wanted to postpone that as long as possible. Now, for Mary, in this culture, as an unwed mother, her life was about to get blown up. She would be cut off from her family. She would be marginalized socially. She would be publicly disgraced. Her life was about to get messy at, at every level. And the messiness wasn't the result of her disobedience to God. And the messiness wasn't the, response, the, the result of someone else's disobedience to God. The messiness that's about to happen in her life is the result of her radical obedience to God. Life is about to get messy for Mary 
because of her radical obedience to God. Now, we experience messiness in our lives and in our relationships for all different sorts of reasons. Sometimes we experience messiness in our lives and in our relationships because we do something stupid, we do something sinful, and it affects everyone around us. And life just gets messy because of our self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish decisions, thinking only about ourselves, not about someone else. And we make some a decision, we say something, we do something, we engage in something, whatever it is, and that creates a messiness in our lives. Sometimes we experience messiness in our lives because we just do some stupid things. Sometimes we experience messiness in our lives because someone else does something stupid. Someone else hurts us, betrays us, does something painful to us. Someone else does something stupid. Someone else does something sinful. And the impact of what they have done affects us. And so life gets messy But it gets messy not because of anything that we've done. Like we didn't do anything that caused our life to get messy. It just, it's because of what someone else has done that all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where life, where relationships just get really, really messy. But sometimes the messiness that we're experiencing is the direct result of our obedience to God. Like we are radically obedient to God and because we are radically obedient to God, life gets messy. Because we are radically obedient to God, life gets difficult. Now, there's lots of examples of that, but let me just mention a couple. When a husband or a wife decides to follow Jesus like with their whole heart, mind, and strength, even though their spouse remains resistant to the gospel at some level. Like life can get messy because of that. Like there are challenges and difficult things that they now have to navigate because one of the spouses has come to faith in Jesus Christ and has has centered their life around the person of Christ and is making decisions in their life because of the person of Christ and the influence, influence that Christ has on their life and it just causes them to have to navigate some issues that they didn't have to navigate before. There's a messiness that is there because of their obedience to God that wasn't there before. Or if you're a follower of Jesus and you work in a company or an organization or an industry where there are some unethical things going on, some unethical stuff that's happening, life can get messy Because of your commitment to Jesus, life can get messy because of your commitment to live your life in a way that honors God and reflects the gospel. Like you may be marginalized in some way. You may find yourself on the outside looking into some conversations. You may not always be at the table, maybe the table that you used to be at. No longer you're invited to that table. The decisions that you used to be a part of, you're no longer involved in those decisions because of your radical obedience to God because you have decided that whatever it is that is going on, the unethical behavior, whatever, that you are not going to be engaged in that, that you are gonna, you are gonna put yourself in the yes position to God. You're going to live in a way that honors God. Now, Joseph's initial response to the messiness 
is driven by fear. Joseph realizes that if he continues to be in a relationship with Mary, if he marries Mary, given everything that's going on, that he will experience disgrace at some level as well. That he too will be marginalized, that he too will be mocked, that, that his life will also be ruined. And he is fearful of all that. He is afraid of all of that. Now, in the midst of his fears, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And he directly addresses Joseph's fears. And that's when everything changes. And this is what the angel of the Lord says. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Now, I don't know if this is the case or not, but it feels like the angel, like given like the whole name, like Joseph, son of David, is like when my mom said, Rodney Kent, you know? And I, I knew when she said Rodney Kent that it meant I was in trouble that I had done something that I probably shouldn't have done, that I was functioning in a way that maybe I shouldn't function. It feels like that. I don't know that. Like, I don't know that there's like good exposition, uh, exegesis of that, but it feels like that. When I read this, it feels like the angel is like about to say some things that are gonna be hard uh, for Joseph to hear. So he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph is convinced, he's convinced himself that the reason that he shouldn't marry Mary is because he's a righteous man. He's convinced himself that his decision is because of his righteousness. His decision is because he is committed to doing the right thing. But what the angel is kind of bringing to the surface here is that the real reason is because he's afraid. The real reason is because he doesn't want to enter. He's afraid to enter into the messiness of Mary's life. And that's why the angel says to him, do not be afraid. I mean, the angel says, well, here's what's happening. Here's where God is involved. Here's the stuff that you don't know about how Mary got pregnant. Here's, here's the explanation related to that. But then he says, I don't want you to be afraid. The angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the messiness, Joseph, because God is at work in this situation. God is at work in the messiness. In fact, underneath the messiness, God is at work in ways that you can't even see right now that you can't even imagine right now. God is at work in the midst of all of this that doesn't make sense. God is at work in ways that you can't even imagine. But in time, Joseph, in time, you will see. So Joseph, you don't have to be afraid of how people are going to respond to you. If you marry Joseph, uh, Mary, Mary, if you take her as your wife, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid of being judged. You don't have to be afraid, Joseph, of being marginalized. You don't have to be afraid of any of that. You don't have to be afraid of any of the consequences of doing the right thing, of making the right decision here because God is at work. Sometimes, just like Joseph, the decisions that we make are more driven by fear than they are by doing the right thing. We are afraid at times. 
to enter into the messiness of, of the situation. We are afraid of how people are going to respond. We are afraid of being judged because of the decisions that we make. We're afraid of being marginalized in some way. We're afraid of, of being on the outside, having to look in. And God tells us the same thing that the angel told Joseph. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the messiness because God is at work in the messiness. Underneath the messiness, God is at work in ways that you can't even see right now, that you can't even imagine right now. Now, I know this is a hard sermon to relate to because none of you are dealing with any messy situations in your life. But for the one or two of you that are, dealing with messy situations in your life, that's a word from the Lord. Like, don't be afraid just because it's messy, just because it's hard, just because it's difficult, just because you're not quite sure how it's all going to work out, just because you're not quite sure what the implications are gonna be of the godly decisions that you make. Like, don't be afraid because underneath the messiness, God is saying to you, Underneath the messiness, God is at work. And even though you can't see it, and even though you are not aware of all the dots that are being connected and all the things that God is doing, God is at work and you will see. Someday you will see God at work in the midst of all of this messiness that you are in. Now, before we get to Joseph's response, so Joseph responds to all of this, and that wraps up this section. But before we get to Joseph's response, I, I wanna look at some mind-blowing theological implications uh, of what the angel says to Joseph. So, so let me just, if you'll just allow me, let me just kind of geek out a little bit theologically, okay? Let me just kind of geek out a little bit theologically on this text. The angel tells Joseph this, she will, talking about Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, first of all, the angel tells Joseph that this baby that is growing inside of Mary will save his people, the baby's people, will save his people from their sins. Now, why is that so theologically mind-blowing? Well, it's so theologically mind-blowing because over and over again in the Old Testament, we're told that God is going to send a Messiah and that the Messiah will save God's people from their sins. But notice that the angel doesn't tell Joseph that this little baby that Mary is carrying will save God's people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph this little baby will save his people from their sins. The angel inserts Jesus' name where God's name should be. 
So it's very clear what Matthew is saying here. He's saying the same thing that Mark is saying in his gospel and Luke is saying in his gospel and John is saying in his gospel. He's saying the same thing that Paul says in the epistles and James says in the epistles and Peter says in his epistles. He's saying the same thing. That this, he's saying that this little baby that Mary is carrying is not just sent from God. He's saying that Jesus is God. And then, just to drive the point home, Matthew goes on in verse 23 to quote Isaiah 7, where we are told, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel is saying that this baby is the God of the universe, that he is the one true God who has come close to us. Now, Here's the thing, 2023, and some of us have been raised in the church, and we have heard this orthodoxy from the moment we were, could understand any biblical teaching, that, that it's a triune God, and that, that Jesus is fully God, and he's fully human, and and, and that God is manifested in, in three persons, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We just kind of say that. We just kind of go, oh yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, Jesus is God. Like, no big deal. But that's after about 2,000 years of, of dealing with this reality. Because in the first few centuries of even the Christian church, they struggled to take the truth of these declarations and to actually understand exactly how mind-blowing this was. That Jesus, this little baby born to Mary, was actually the God of the universe who had taken on flesh and had entered into the messiness of this world. And this message would have been absolutely scandalous to a Jew because there was only one true God and he was infinitely transcendent. He was so holy that you couldn't even enter into his holy presence without dying. But the angel is declaring that this one true God, this holy God, this transcendent God, this forever God, this God who made the universe is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. Can I get an amen for that? He is God with us, which means that Christmas is not about you finding God, that, that the faith of following Jesus is different from really every other religion on the planet. It is not about you finding God. It is about God finding you. It is about the God of the universe seeking you out. It's about the God of the universe looking at the world that he has created with all of its messiness, with all of its brokenness, and entering in to that messiness and entering in to that brokenness. And by entering into the messiness, our messiness becomes his messiness. Our brokenness becomes his brokenness. Our disgrace becomes his disgrace. That's why the angel can say to Joseph, don't be afraid. 
Joseph, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to enter into Mary's messy story because you are in relationship with the God who is willing to enter into your messy story. You're in relationship with Emmanuel. You are in relationship with the God who is with us. And that's what God says to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Some of you need to hear that on a very personal level today. Don't be afraid. You don't have to run away from the messiness. You don't have to avoid the messiness. You don't have to bail when things get tough. You don't have to quit when things get hard. You don't have to to get out just because things have gotten tough. Like, fear not, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you are in relationship with a God who was willing to enter into your messy story. You're in relationship with Emmanuel, with the God who is with us. Now, how does Joseph respond to all of this? Well, that's kind of the final little section. It's in verses 24 and 25. When Jesus, or when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Remember the text, the angel says, you're not gonna name the baby. Um, I'm gonna tell you what the name of the baby is. The name of the baby is Jesus. Now it's interesting. It's interesting because like every parent has the right to name their child, right? Like that's what parents do. And especially back in that day, like to name your child like was the sign that you are in authority over your child, that you are the Lord over your child, that you are in control over your child, like you name that which you own. I mean, if you're a business owner today and you started the business, you name the business. Like that's one of the rights that you have when you're the one in control, when you're the one in authority, when you're one that has the power, all of that. But the angel says to Joseph, no, 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 no. You're not going to name the child. This is what the child's name is going to be. In essence, what the angel is saying to Joseph is, you're not going to name Jesus. Jesus is going to name you. You're not going to be the authority over his life. He's going to be the authority over your life. You're not going to be the Lord over him. He's going to be the Lord over you. This is his name. And when the baby is born, that's exactly what Joseph does. He names him Jesus. Now, in that culture, no one would have married Mary under, like, these set of circumstances. And yet, in the midst of all of his fears, Joseph listens to the angel of the Lord and takes Mary to be his wife. He's not sure at that point. Like, we know the rest of the story, so 
Sometimes because you've heard the story so often and we know the rest of the story, it's like we, it's hard to put ourselves in the place of the characters in the middle of this narrative. But in the middle of this narrative, like Joseph didn't know how this was gonna turn out. Like he didn't fully understand what was going on. He, he couldn't see the whole picture. He didn't understand what was going on. He, he most definitely didn't connect all the dots. Even though he knew that this was somehow a child from the Lord, but what that means and the implications of that, like he had really no idea. But Joseph trusts God enough to obey him. He trusts God enough. He trusts God enough to obey him. You know, we talk a lot about trust. We talk a lot about faith and what is faith and how much faith do we have and what does it mean to have strong faith and how do I know my faith is growing, all that. But I think it, it always boils down to this. It's hard to measure trust. I mean, how do you measure trust? It's hard to measure faith. How do you measure faith? But I think the question is always this. Do you trust God enough to obey him? Do you trust God enough to live in the yes position to him? Do you trust God enough to align yourself with his perspective for how you should live your life rather than your perspective? Do you trust God enough to say yes? That's the big question that all of us face. When life gets scary, when life gets messy, when you don't fully understand everything that's going on, when you can't see the whole picture, when the path is uncertain, when you only have enough light to just see the next step and then the next step and then the next step, will you trust God enough to obey Him? We've been doing this thing through the Advent series where I've just been writing a prayer. Um, for us to just ponder and embrace and make our own. And so I have a prayer that I want to offer to you today as we have in the weeks gone by, that again, if this is a prayer that as I pray it, you begin to resonate with it, then I want you to make it your prayer. I want the words that I have written to actually become your offering to God. I've told you this before that one of my disciplines is to read the Psalms. And 
one of the things I love about the Psalms is that it allows me to take the words that the psalmist wrote and to read them and to make them my words and reflect my story. So I invite you to pray this prayer. God, I confess to you today that when life gets messy, it also gets scary. And sometimes, just like Joseph, the decisions I make are driven more by fear than they are by doing the right thing. I'm afraid at times to enter into the messiness. I'm afraid of how people are going to respond. I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of a lot of things. So God, in the midst of my fears, remind me that you are Emmanuel. That you are the God who is with us. That you are the God who is with me. That you are the God who has entered into my messy story. Like Joseph, may that give me the courage to trust you enough to obey you. Even when I don't fully understand what's going on, even when I can't see the whole picture, even when the path in front of me is uncertain and I only have enough light to see the next step. God, you told Joseph that Jesus entered into this world to save his people from their sins. I want Jesus to be my Savior. So forgive my sins. Remember them no more. Remove them as far as the east is from the west. And come into my life, not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. Help me to live the life that you created me to live the life that you put me on this planet to live, the life that you designed for me to live. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God, hear our prayer. open our hearts to you. We put our trust in you. Take the words that have been spoken, the prayers that have been prayed and bring them to to fruition in our lives. May we live the prayer we have Thank you so much for listening to the Fairfax Church podcast. You can find more messages like this on our YouTube channel at Fairfax Church or follow us here. If you were blessed by the message and resources provided, feel free to leave us a review.